National Catholic Register. This is Register Radio, bringing light and clarity to the news and topics that affect your life. 2024 is here already. As the new year begins, the National Catholic Register takes a moment to reflect on the notable departures of 2023 and our top stories with Register Editor-in-Chief Shannon Mullen. Then Senior Editor Jonathan Liedel joins us from Rome to discuss Fiducia Supplicans, the Vatican's document on blessings, and how 2023 is likely to impact Pope Francis's legacy. I'm Jeanette DeMello, Executive Director of the National Catholic Register and Catholic News Agency, and your host here on Register Radio. I'm joined by my co-host, Matthew Bunsen, who is EWTN News' Vice President and Editorial Director. Shannon Mullen has now been Editor-in-Chief of the Register for about a year, so we're talking about stories, this, this segment, that have been done under his tenure. These are all points of coverage under his very solid direction. Shannon, I can't believe it's uh, been a year, but it has been a very busy year for you. It has. We've crammed in two years' worth of news in one year. So. <laughs> Absolutely. We sure have. And, and you were still uh, hands-on with Catholic News Agency during this year. Um, so it probably feels really good that we, um, we, can, we can say now you're pretty much exclusively focused on the register. Still, of course, doing uh, some CNA Rome coverage, but we're, we're, we're super happy to have you focused on the register. But what I did want to uh, kind of bring up is the news of this year and, and probably one of the more intense moments for you uh, might have been the, the several weeks that you spent in Rome uh, for the Vatican Synod on Synodality, huh? It was. It was quite a, it was both intense and maybe Matthew would concur with this, sometimes a little frustrating. <laughs> and uh and maybe sometimes a little a little dull, but uh but it was <laughs> all, all that wrapped into a month that was uh, quite an experience. Well, we'll have another one in 24, so something <laughs> I don't know if it's something to look forward to, but anyway, that, that'll be coming up again uh, later this year. In this segment, I'd really like to focus on some of the more unique stories that the Register covered uh, this year, and, and we knew by the year's end they were emerging as top stories um, because readers liked them, <laughs> and the numbers told us that. Um, but every year... Uh, for many, many years. The Register in the, the last edition of the year, this year that was December 31st, 2023, our print edition, uh, we do photo essays, basically year in review with with a bit of text, but a lot of photos to, to just kind of highlight the year. How does the Register select that content? Uh, how did it select that content this year, Shannon? Yeah, it was funny. The cover uh, <laughs> was actually a photo that came in late in the year, in, in November, uh, at the Pope's general audience on Wednesdays. There was just this beautiful photo taken of the Pope with five nuns sort of leaning over, and they're all smiling, and it's, I don't know what they're talking about, but they're very happy. And it was just a nice image that I used my editorial executive powers to put that on the front, because it was a rough year in many ways, and that was just a, it just had a great cheery tone to it that we liked. But, I mean, how we look at these things is uh, looking for images that you can look at and you understand right away what the action is. You know, one of them, for example, was a photo taken of Sister Wilhelmina Lancaster, the foundress of the of Benedictine 
Abbey in uh, Gower, Missouri, and whose body was exhumed during this past year. One of the big stories of the year in the United States was found to be surprisingly intact in very good uh, condition, even though uh, she had died some years ago. And that was a big story and uh, just a very compelling image. Um, there's another one of um, Bishop Strickland kneeling, saying, leading the rosary outside the U.S. Bishop uh, Assembly in Baltimore uh, this past November. Another big story, what happened to him. Yeah, we have we have a lot of fun choosing the images and and telling stories that way. Yeah, and this year you did something unique. I I was very happy to see it when I was proofing the paper, and it was my favorite story. So you had register writers reflect on their best work of 2023. It was a great addition, and and um, some of my favorite stories ended up in that. I, one Loretta Brown did was mom and babies on campus, and this was. Uh, initiative that some university uh, universities are doing to just facilitate um, uh, mothers on campus, um, and and uh, that was that was really a great story and and something worth highlighting. So I'm glad you did that special edition. One of the things that again you did in this ed- edition that was a li- little different from the way it was done in the past was including fact boxes of the registers top top stories. And as I mentioned, these were uh, stories that we knew by the end of the year were sort of readers' selections. Uh, This is uh, what our our traffic told us was most interesting to our readers. That was register content because the register does run a lot of CNA uh, content and some of those were our top stories of the year. But, But there were several things that were highlighted here um, that are worth mentioning. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about one of them. You mentioned that image <laughs> that um, was on the cover, uh, the beautiful image of the five nuns, and um, I, th- I think it was a fitting image. Although we, you know, you said, "Hey, it's a cheerful image," and that's kind of why you selected it. It was an image of hope, and and it's really beautiful. I mean, the, there's nothing better than seeing these smiling um, nuns of of every age, really, because it's a it's it's got it's got a wide variety of ages in the picture. But it, it, it could definitely be said that this was a year that women had a different, a new um, place in the church with the participation in the synod. Uh, and I think one of our top stories on, I think the Vatican section was related um, to a woman who was a lay participant in the Synod. I think the title of that story is Synod on Synodality, Laywoman Speech Opposing Women's Ordination Draws Big Ovation, Standing Ovation. Uh, that was a great story um, that our readers loved, and I think, Shannon, both you and I thought it was um, well worth inclusion in this year end. Yeah, I'm glad um, that one made it to the top five, really, of our uh, most viewed stories. Uh, This is a a story that uh, focused on an Australian uh, delegate, a philosopher, theologian, uh, Renee Kohler Ryan, who was really emerged as, for us, I think, one of the stars, one of the bright spots of of the Synod on Synodality Assembly in October. And uh, one of the things that happened, you know, we didn't have access to what was going on in the Senate Hall, but, you know, people do talk, and we heard about a intervention uh, or a, a, a short speech that one of the delegates uh, gave, and uh, it turned out to uh, to be uh, Professor uh, Cole Ryan. And uh, one of the things she was kind of talking about was um, 
pushing back on this attempt to what she called clericalize the lady, the laity, mm-hmm. and uh, really pushing the issue of uh, women's uh, ordination uh, to this diaconate or to, to women priest issue, something that the, the secular media uh, at the Vatican was really pressing in their uh, the daily media briefing. Um, and she said that that um, that's a, that's a, that was a distraction from what women uh, want to talk about and need to talk about. And uh, she was uh, commenting about how, hey, wh- what about motherhood? Uh, that was barely mentioned in the uh, the sort of uh, planning document for for the Senate Assembly, and um, she got a standing ovation, which right. was which was pretty neat. And um, I think it resonated with a lot of readers, too. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, another another story that I think was just um, really positive, and I'll only mention it because I, I, I want to move on to a few other things, but it, it made it into our top uh, five for Nation. Um, again, it's a, a positive story. St. Charles Borromeo Church creates an environment which, which makes you think of the Eucharist. And uh, this was a story about a brand new church uh, in the Diocese of Fresno. Um, and and it's just, it's great that our readers were so interested uh, in a brand new church, right? And, um, and that there is this brand new church, I think with 14 thousand people, um, just a, a really big uh, new church. And that's uh, that's hopeful news. That's positive news. It's the kind of news that the Register wants to cover, even in the midst of, of um, some of the tough stuff that, that we do have to cover. Uh, speaking of tough stuff that we have to cover, uh, notable deaths um, is always something that we try to pay attention to. Um, we, we include a whole list of those in, in, in this print edition. Uh, and this year, Matthew, there were some really big ones. Obviously, at the end of 22 was the death of Benedict, so we were just digesting that when uh, Cardinal uh, George Pell died um, January 10th. Right. So we lost two giants um, right there. But who, who else should we note? Well, that's right. This is a, a year of uh, a number of uh, unfortunate uh, deaths. Uh, we think, for example, of Bishop David O'Connell, the auxiliary bishop in Los Angeles, who was killed. Uh, we can think as well of what the Vatican put out a list of 20 Catholic missionaries uh, who were killed uh, just this last year. That's an increase, uh, a little bit from 18 from the year before. Uh, and that includes nine missionaries who were killed in Africa. Of course, we can't talk about the, the loss of Christian lives uh, without thinking of the, the hundreds who have been killed just this last year uh, in Nigeria at the hands of uh, radical Muslims. Uh, we can think as well of the missionaries, six of them killed in the Americas in 2023. Um, most of those taking place in either Mexico or the United States. Uh, there are also four lay people who were killed in Asia over the last year. So we hold them uh, in our hearts. And then there were other who, others who passed. Uh, I uh, think of uh, Monsignor Frank McGrath, who is a well-known chaplain, Ave Maria School of Law, uh, as well as uh, one of the great friends. I know we were talking about this a little while ago, Jeanette, uh, uh, Mother Alvira Petrozzi, the founder of the Comunità Cenacola uh, in Italy, who died at the age of 86. Uh, a number of cardinals passed as well. So this was a year of uh, 
passings, uh, but notable ones. Absolutely. And, um, and, you know, it's so good of you to mention the, the persecuted Christians. I mean, we, we, we just cannot forget them. They may not um, strike us as like the notable deaths, the way these lists um, come out. Um, but it's, it's a huge impact um, to, to see how many, uh, how many people are really martyred, um, oftentimes uh, in church, <laughs> you know, some of these, um, some of these tragedies have happened um, while people worshiped. So it's very good. Thank you so much for, for bringing that up. Um, Shannon, there's a great story that is really worth noting as we kind of draw to a conclusion here, because it's something so ordinary, <laughs> um, but our readers loved it, and it's, uh, it's, it's something that we'll have to kind of think about um, how to, to, to outdo it this year. And this is the story about St. Patrick's Day, which fell during a Friday of Lent, and Mac McDonald did a great piece that our audience just ate up. Yes, the meat of the matter, uh, one of my favorite uh, stories and headlines, actually. Uh, <laughs> so, yes, uh, Matt, among his many other gifts, is sort of our statistician on staff. And uh, he uh, surveyed every diocese in, in the United States and uh, discovered that uh, 72%, uh, 72.6% of U.S. dioceses uh, we're giving some sort of uh, dispensation for St. Patrick's Day falling on uh, a Lenten Friday. So um, uh, 93 dioceses, he found out, were giving, hey, no strings attached, you know, it's just a free day. Uh, 34 dioceses that, uh, were giving uh, uh, some sort of commutation, so uh you can eat meat, but go to Mass or pray the Rosary or pray the uh, St. Patrick's Breastplate Prayer. Um, so it was it was a great uh, great piece. Not only that, but it had an interactive map uh, by CNA's Jonah McEwen, and um, it was in the colors of the Irish flag. You could click on a state in your diocese and find out what the rules were. It was just a great piece. Well, we'll close on that one. I think the register, um, that, that piece was about um, where fasting was dispensed with, but I think recently we've had some conversations about how important it is to bring back uh, fasting, um, whether it, it's on Friday or other important days, because our church and our world needs prayer and fasting, and, and now's a great moment to, to start thinking about how we incorporate that back into our lives. But. Thank you very much for your work at the Register, and we will be turning to the Vatican and how 2023 added to Pope Francis's legacy when we come back. This is Register Radio on EWTN. Stay tuned for more. If you need your news on the go, read the Register online. But if you want to take your time and savor the stories, then subscribe to the National Catholic Register's print edition. And with award-winning Catholic journalism that goes beyond what you'll find from any secular news service, you'll get the real story behind the events that unfold over the course of the year. Try the Register for free today and get it delivered to your home, office, or parish. Join the Catholics who depend on the Register for its faithful and courageous reporting. Get six issues free today online at ncregister.com forward slash radio or call 800-421-3230 
and mention code radio. That's ncregister.com forward slash radio or call 800-421-3230 and mention code radio. The National Catholic Register. Read faithfully. Let's return to Register Radio on EWTN. Welcome back. I'm Jeanette DeMello, Executive Director of the National Catholic Register and Catholic News Agency. I'm joined by my co-host, Matthew Bunsen, here on Register Radio. And we're doing a year in review of 2023, and now we turn to the Vatican. So as I said, every year... We take a look at the top stories of the past year. Um, we look at what the readers thought were the top stories, as well as what our editors and writers thought. And Jonathan Liedel, who joins us right now from Rome, um, did the Vatican review for the December 31st, 2023 edition. Hi, Jonathan. Welcome to Register Radio again. Jeanette, Matthew, good to be with you. So this year, Matthew, uh, sorry, Jonathan, we titled that uh, essay that you wrote, the photo essay, Vatican 2023, Pope Francis Builds His Legacy. And so it's interesting because we did celebrate in this year his 10th anniversary, um, but, mm-hmm. but really there were many things in this year. So we, f- re- we reflected a lot on his legacy. That was March, right, um, his 10th anniversary. But in the course of this year, there were really some defining moments in the Vatican. What would you, what would you say those are? Um, and yes, I, I can name some that the readers thought, but what were the stories that you would say were the defining moments of the year? Yeah, I think the, the overarching theme for Pope Francis and the Vatican was uh, Francis securing his vision of the church, possibly even beyond his own papacy, and even amidst uh, signs of declining health. So I, I think the probably the three biggest uh, events or uh, developments to highlight in that vein uh, was the selection of then Archbishop uh, Victor Manuel Fernandez, Pope Francis's longtime ghostwriter, theological advisor, a fellow Argentinian, uh, to the position of prefect of the dicastery of the doctrine of the faith. So this was the Pope taking kind of the guy who's been behind the scenes helping to develop the Pope's theological vision and really bringing him front and center and placing him in a great position of prominence in the Vatican. Cardinal Fernandez at this point in time is only uh, 61 years old, so a a significant catapulting um, of this previously, um, yeah, somewhat unknown or at least uh, not not in the limelight figure uh, to the very heart of the Church's doctrine and teaching office. Related to that, uh, Pope Francis made uh, Cardinal Fernandez and 20 other prelates, uh, he gave them the red hat. He made them cardinals at a consistory in September. And this was significant because it swelled the ranks of uh, cardinal electors, right? Those who are going to be eligible to pick the next pope in the event of a conclave uh, to currently 137, which is higher than ever before. Um, and if we look at those numbers, uh, Pope Francis has now picked seven, over 70 percent uh, of the cardinal electors. So uh, the thought being there that the, this is perhaps an effort of Pope Francis to put in place cardinals who might be um, you know, more likely to pick uh, a successor to him kind of in his same mold. And then finally, I think uh, another huge event uh, from the year was the Synod on Synodality Assembly 
uh, in October in the Vatican. Of course, the Synod on Synodality was a process started by Pope Francis back in 2021, but really this Vatican Assembly, which will have a second part in 2024, is, is the culmination of it. And synodality, this idea of journeying together, this idea of a listening church, has really been uh, a hallmark uh, of Pope Francis's throughout that tenure pontificate. Uh, and, and this synod on synodality and the final report it produces, and whatever direction Pope Francis uh, decides to, to take that when that happens, um, is really the, the kind of primary means of, of putting that into action. So those were those three legacy sort of building um, initiatives of Pope Francis, Pope Francis in 2023. And as I mentioned, um, it came as signs that that his health, um, you know, was was continuing to show signs of decline. Pope Francis turned 87 during the past year in December. He had uh, a couple of serious bouts of bronchitis, uh, one back in March and another in November into December. And he also had abdominal surgery um, in the middle of the year as well. Um, so an interesting dynamic on the, on the one sense. Um Perhaps Pope Francis wondering how how much longer he'll be with us, but then also taking steps uh, to to possibly secure his vision um, beyond his own tenure. Absolutely. I mean, you mentioned his health, uh, but it, even with you know signs of poor health, he he visited uh, Congo, uh, South Sudan, Hungary, Mongolia, France, Portugal for World Youth Day. Uh, it's Mongolia. It was the first time any pope had ever visited Mongolia. So yeah. he he really had an amazing year uh, in terms of of what he accomplished in in one year. Uh, Shannon made a joke that, you know, we covered two years worth of news in one year at the beginning of this show, and I think the the Pope (laughs) really packed it in this year. So uh, right at the end of the year, though, um, really, as we were preparing this print edition, the one that came out December 31st, uh, we, just a few days before, got the document, uh, Fiducia Supplicans, uh, which is the document on blessings, and it we had to scramble to get it into the edition even. Um, but but how would you say, Jonathan, that impacts Pope Francis's legacy? Yeah, well, this um, this guidance on blessings, on blessings, the possibility of blessing of same-sex couples and those those in irregular situations. Um, Pope Francis, he's he kind of saved it till the end, right before Christmas. But this was probably, I I would say the the biggest event of the year, arguably. And I think mm-hmm. to the point you're making, Jeanette, it, it has a big impact on uh, the legacy uh, that, that Pope Francis very well might leave behind. And I think a big reason uh, uh, for that is that this document, whatever its intentions uh, were, and whatever the, the correct reading of it might be, it's generated an immense amount of controversy and confusion uh, and even disunity within the church. Uh, you have basically mutually exclusive interpretations um, from bishops in countries throughout Africa and U- Eastern Europe compared to their counterparts, uh, perhaps especially in Germany. So uh, it, it's really, uh, it's interesting because there's other things we mentioned, uh, you know, synodality, for instance. You talked about the Pope's visits. You mentioned countries like Mongolia with 10,000 Catholics, right? Or, or some of these other places in Africa that the Pope visited, right? He's always been thought of as a Pope of the peripheries. And I, I think the, the thought is this might complicate um, some of those other 
dimensions of the Pope's legacy. If we talk about synodality, uh, Fiducia Supplicans was a text from the Dicaster of the Doctrine of the Faith that, that apparently re, uh, relied on very little consultation with uh, bishops uh, and other key advisors, actually, uh, throughout the world before it was published, right? And we, we even think back to the Synod on Synodality. We know that topics related to the Church's pastoral care uh, of people with same-sex attraction came up. We know that there was significant uh, pushback from African participants, participants right. from Eastern Europe, even in uh, the term LGBTQ plus being included, and certainly in any kind of step that might seem to um, condone or, or even give the slightest indication um, that, that same-sex relationships uh, were, were permissible. Uh, and it's it, to, to some extent, I, f I think people wonder if if that kind of input at the the synod on synodality was lost in the shuffle mm -hmm. or wasn't factored in uh, to fiducia supplicans, uh, at least the way it's implemented uh, and, and and promoted. Um, so I think synodality. There's a question of will fiducia supplicans and perhaps the the disunity that it that it's fostered will that overshadow uh, synodality on the question of peripheries, right? Um, this is something that is largely being celebrated in those traditional, uh, now post-Christian centers of power in Germany, in Austria, some bishops in France, uh, Belgium. Um, but it, it's something that's been very upsetting to those those bishops and those Catholics, right, on those geographic peripheries in uh, you know the developing South, uh, in Africa. Um, also increasingly in South America as well. So I think uh, it, it complicates the legacy. It certainly doesn't um, necessarily undermine the Pope's emphasis on synodality or the peripheries, but but it complicates it. And then one final thought maybe on um, the legacy. We mentioned the conclave, right? We mentioned uh, how how the Pope, um, you know, made an unprecedented move to, to swell the ranks of cardinal electors to 137 people. I think a move like Fiducia Supplicans uh, perhaps makes it increasingly less likely that the successor to Pope Francis will share some of his priorities uh, in terms of uh, church reform and, and pushing for some of these pastoral openings um, that some might say call into question church unity, church stability, uh, and, and the church's um, even clarity about doctrine, right? So I think that's something uh, to look look ahead to, the, imp the implications and the impact of fiducia supplicans on even who, who the next pope might be. Whenever Absolutely. that conclave, you know, right. obviously we don't know when that will happen, right? Obviously, obviously. But as you said, you know, what we should be watching this year is synodality. Uh, and that's something we will continue to see teased out. And then we'll meet again um, in October. Um, the synod will meet again. And that's something to, to keep a close eye on as, as the course of this year. Jonathan, thanks for your reporting. Great to be with you. Thank you. Remember, for more news analysis and commentary, check out the National Catholic Register online at ncregister.com. Thanks for joining us here on Register Radio on EWTN. For Matthew Bunsen and our producer, Jeff Burson, who today is his last show, and we are truly grateful. I am Jeanette DeMello, and I ask until next week, may God bless you.